Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we are looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast, uh, recording this week without Matthew, who unfortunately is out with COVID. But uh, fingers crossed he will be back on his feet and ready to record with us next week. Today, I'm talking about Minute 91 which begins with a casual call from the son of Cole and ends with a caravan to Bifrost Junction. Joining us on the show today, we have James Anderson and Colin M. Parker, hosts of the Timeline Scavengers podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for joining me here today. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks for having us. So, uh, Timeline Scavengers, uh, let's talk real quick about your podcast. Um, what are the origins of this? It's a it's a it's a MCU podcast or Marvel podcast. What's tell me about it and what's uh, what's the driving force behind it? Well, I I wanted to say first and foremost that I appreciated that a lot of how like your intro has like to me certain elements of like what we also do with our intro, but it's cool because. You're doing it like chronologically, um, like literally, and then we're doing it in historical order. Right. So James likes to intake content in a way that I think most humans would never imagine. Uh, and I think that that is cool because James is very inventive. James uses that way to look at things through a different lens. And I think it's very cool. Uh, and James had found a spreadsheet, which is also very James that had the MCU movies only at the time. I it was believe, a Word right? doc. It was a Word oh, doc. Oh, it was a Word doc. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, that was that, the, the one flaw with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that broke down the MCU movies uh, in chronological order, but like as far as not release time, but the date within the movie um, and with timestamps and everything. And so James was partaking in this and it immediately hooked me and i didn't know it at the time but apparently james was leaving this sort of as a a breadcrumb clue to be like hey you should follow this down a path with me i feel i feel like the the hook was there <laughs> hmm. am i am i misinterpreting this because very soon after i was like hey what if that but podcast <laughs> well okay so uh, shout out to Tony Goldmark, who is the person who uh, created that Word document. Um, and yeah, it blew my mind uh, to look at... Um, actually, we're, we're, before we start recording, we are talking about Lost. There was something called Chronologically Lost uh, that someone put together. They like stitched together these uh, uh, movie files to put Lost in the order in which it takes place. Not was released, and so I watched that and really enjoyed it. So when I saw this, I was like, "Oh wow!" I even, I, you know, I like the Marvel movies even maybe more than Lost. Um, and so I watched that over last June, and then in like January, February of 2021, I found a list of chronological order of the movies plus the TV shows at the time. So I was like, "What if I did the thing again?" But I started inserting where the TV show scenes would go within that. So I started doing that, and Colin is very generous when he says that it was an intentional breadcrumb thing. Here's what was really happening: I was hyperfixating on doing this. I was devoting all my time to it, all my waking hours, <laughs> and some of the hours I shouldn't have been awake. Instead of like editing podcasts or doing like family time or whatever. So then I was telling Colin about it, and then I was like, wait a minute, 
if this is a podcast, then this nothing, this time suck that's nothing turns into podcast research. And then that, then that, that's a justification. And so uh, Colin <laughs> was uh, just a pawn to uh, justify my time use. Thanks, Colin. You're welcome. Look at that. <laughs> it went from breadcrumbs to you're just a pawn. <laughs> It is schemes. Uh, well, it's great. I love the whole concept. Uh, well, I know we'll talk about it a little more. And, and one of these days, I, I would love to uh, hop on there and chat a little bit about You're on the schedule, yeah. You you were on the schedule for recording in 2021. And then uh, we discovered two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which have taken us half a year to get through. So yeah. you're there. I wish that that was a joke. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, uh, I just want to say real quick, Colin's passion for, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything Marvel uh, astounds me and, and very happy to have him on the sh- on uh, with me on the show because it's awesome. just before I sa- it sounded like I, I just... Uh, used him and i didn't <laughs> it's, it's really his passion that's great a yeah. lot of a lot of it. well that's awesome well we're here to talk about thor in this particular yes. uh episode and we're going to be talking specifically about minute 91 so uh so let's start digging in uh the the minute starts with agent colson this is kind of i don't know i look at it like this is the agent colson we know and love the way that he's talking mm-hmm. here donald yes. i don't think you've been completely honest with me like that just feels like such a, <laughs> such an agent colson line doesn't it <laughs> start with the lie and then expose mm-hmm. the lie. <laughs> it's, it's just great. And I love that he calls him Donald still. Like yeah. that, the, the continued callbacks with the Donald Blake character in this, I, I, I really think are a lot of fun. And then, and then what I love about this is Thor, he, he comes back with a very kind of direct moment here. Know this, son of Cole, you and I, we fight for the same cause, the protection of this world. From this day forward, you can count on me as your ally if you return the items you have taken from Jane. Stolen. Borrowed. <laughs> Yeah, right. There you go. There you go. Uh, it's it's a great little uh, moment here, and uh, what I think is interesting, and I, I want to get uh, your impressions on on this moment here. The whole conversation to me feels like this kind of shift in Thor's presence and the way he's presenting himself, like from what we had before to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you get, What did you two get out of the way that Thor comes into this moment after what we've seen so far? It's weird because you're you're right. It's like in making this declaration. Uh, which on a comic book page would be like a three-quarters page spread because it's like a full, like, you know, they put it in nice writing. It's like that said, now he can be a normal Earth person, almost. Like, like he turns into sort of just, like, cool boyfriend guy who can fly and has the Bifrost and all this stuff. Because the way that he says the thing to Coulson feels, like, Shakespearean in a way of, like, like, he's reciting it, almost. Like, it w- I would be surprised to learn that this is, like, the official way that you declare an allyship uh, on <laughs> Asgard. Yeah. Because of the way he says it. The way he says it is sort of by rote, almost. Which isn't how he says any of his other lines. So it's like he's saying, know this, inter- insert name, from now on, you and me shall, you know, like, it's like a fill-in-the-blank sort of deal um, to make it official. I think it's also very cool because... You know, now looking at this sort of scene with the context of where he starts the movie, which is, you know, brash and arrogant and just like very flashy, um, you know, to have basically fallen so far and to know that he's only in this moment because he climbed back up, but in the way that he was supposed to. He's coming into it with the type of like bravado and confidence and also like authority that he was supposed to have 
to begin with, that his father was trying to impart on him, and it just didn't stick until this moment. And not that Asgard wasn't worth fighting for, but I also think that part of the thing is that Asgard is his realm and everything is so also powerful and strong and magical. And then to go to Earth where it's just like fleshy meat bags of very, very mortal people uh, and go, oh, okay, so there's a, there's some stakes in some of these worlds that we go to that maybe I should be paying more attention to. Um, so he does do that. And then again, he does get to be kind of like cool boyfriend to be like, hey, what's up? You know, what's up, <laughs> yeah. Natalie Portman? Uh, you trying to see that bridge? And she's like, oh. <laughs> well, the, don't you feel like, I don't want to jump ahead, but so Coulson's like, of course, we'll give you back your stuff because you got to keep doing your research. And it's almost like he's like, you can keep doing your research. And and Thor's like, yeah, yeah. Anyways, hey, want to come see my room? Like, he's like, <laughs> he turns into like this little, like, yeah, yeah. Are you done here? Because we can go, you want us to go see my rainbow slide? Like, <laughs> see, that's interesting because to me, yeah. it's it's more bragging, right? To be like, oh, no, hey, sure. Want to see how cool I really am? Like, yeah, you, like you've, you've just seen the tip of the iceberg. I've got a full Death Star Lego set. So, <laughs> boom, check this out. Okay, but but isn't there something here that that speaks to uh, like this this rela- I mean, it's a very rom-com relationship. We've kind of talked about that a lot this season about how there's so many romantic elements here and a lot of it is that romantic comedy type of stuff. But here we've got like they've they've had this all these like nice conversations about like the 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 bridge the einstein rosen bridge we call it a rainbow bridge like that sort of stuff and then when they're on the roof of smith motors they're kind of having this bonding and he really like this is what i love about thor is he like he he connects in such a a direct and honest way and and you see it here when he's talking to colson about how direct and focused he is on him and the way Mm -hmm. you're right james about how he says that it does feel very much like this is this is the official declaration that we are now making with midgard i am putting my stamp of approval on it like it feels very much that way yeah but i do also feel like the way that he talks to jane about the rainbow bridge like let's go see my bridge it also it seems to like there's a little bit of that where he knows how passionate she is with science and and excited about this thing and it's just like you know i i I now have my powers back i can finally show you this thing that you have been so excited about all this time that's fair but I, I also like the idea that I was like, hey, come check out this cool little slide I have. <laughs> but I, I think the, the cool thing about that, too, is that, like, it's interesting how watching Thor 1, which is a weird thing to say, I guess, in this context. But At the time, watching, they just called it Thor. But yeah, not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, watching the original Thor movie, most of the rom-com stuff to me, I was always like, this does not really work for me. It's, like, not. Mm. But, like, everything near the end of the movie, like, right when, like, I guess... It's because he's also feeling so low, so he doesn't have that confidence in, in any of it, really. But, like, when he, like, shows up and does all the, the, like, the last two or three scenes that they have together, I was like, okay, all right, I'm starting to buy this. Like, this this seems to be, like, an actual, like, connection that people, like, would actually have that isn't just like, okay, that's written. And I, I really like that. But I also really loved the relationship that, like, Coulson has to all of that as well. Just because kind of like you said, like, of course, if you want to continue your research, which I also think is very much like, because now we see that there's some major like stuff that this has real, 
uh, real life application. <laughs> and we want you to do that research so that we can also have it. So, you know, it's a little bit of that, like, we're a government agency, but it's also just quintessential Colson, especially as he's like, wait, we, I need to debrief you as he's like, yeah, right, right. can't hear him anymore. Just like still screaming up at, at him like, wait, no. Well, I was just wondering, is the debriefing, is that also cataloging him? Like, you know, how far are they going with this debriefing? We know what S.H.I.E.L.D. does with these people. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's something to do with like their index or exactly. also potentially part of the um, Avengers initiative. Yeah, yeah, certainly, absolutely. No, I don't point. think that's gonna. I don't think this movie's gonna have anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> no, I guess I'm wrong. It is interesting the way that that Coulson does approach this, and the whole idea of returning the you know uh, taken, stolen, borrowed uh, equipment back to Jane, and, and that he's like, you know, you're going to need it to continue your research. There's a part of that that feels very much like you know, the end of like the Goonies or the sort of thing, like we can have our house back guys. It's like that sort of line. Like you're, you're going to need it to continue your research. But I, I do kind of like the way that it carries. And I mean, to your point that you were saying, Colin, it's interesting. They, they cut it, but in the script, uh, agent Colson continues and he says, which after today's events, shield would like to fully sponsor if that's all right with you. Oh, see, that's, that's, I'm surprised that got cut. Cause I feel like that's very, I mean, it's. I guess it's in the context there of like, oh, you're gonna need it to finish your research. Yeah. I guess that that's kind of like the hidden undertext. But um, I don't know. Like, my thing is that I really like Colson a lot, and I do think that even though some of it is that stuff that I was saying earlier, where it's like, I mean, it's a government agency. Like, we know what's what their deal is. I think that he is always so like sincere with how he addresses people. Yeah. And so you know the way he's like. Like, I borrowed, because, like, I don't think that he would like to view it as stealing. Yeah. You know, uh, he's like, I know it's a gray area, but we need to all come into an agreement that we're on the same side, as Thor just said. Yeah. Um, and also being like, we want we want to see what's best for the world and what you're doing can contribute to that. I think taken, stolen, borrowed is really interesting, because I think it's all three of their perspectives on what happened. Because taken means I, I, I took it. In you know indefinitely stolen refers to like a law and property ownership, and then borrowed refers to like you said a gray area in between where it's like I recognize it's yours I'm gonna take it without asking, but on the idea that I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna give it back like yeah it's reaching a gray area but it's also um sort of almost like a thesis statement of their uh relationship with uh ownership and and uh you know the government's role in taking borrowing stealing stuff yeah i i wrote in my notes it, it was appropriately governmental wording that he yeah. used there yeah exactly well i also i also like to think that they showed uh this movie to a you know a bunch of scientists and they were like it's too unbelievable that he would just offer them full sponsorship so you got to cut that line that's just that, that's yeah. where that's where all the that that's, that's where they true. lost the scientists if current, <laughs> if current modern day scientific you know uh we'll just say uh research and moments maybe um you know i i think it's very clear that like very frequently we're like hi we should fund these things and people are like ah, eh, i don't know about that more yeah. money to the military thank you right um yeah yeah that, but, I, I think that was probably one of the reasons that they're probably also it's like well shield is supposed to be covert it feels weird if they're actually that's true sponsoring something like out there <laughs> Here's like your shield american express card <laughs> <laughs> 
you can expense <laughs> it, up to 70% of things, right. but we yeah. do expect like, you know, you to use like these discounts <laughs> at only these hotels. Um, but I also was going to point out though, that like something that's interesting and like, I know this is kind of looking ahead, but like Thor, I think it's very easy for most people to, whether it's in comics or in the movies, for people to assume that Thor is stupid or dumb, maybe, you know, but he is much smarter than I think people believe he is. Like for him, he says it in some movie. I'm not sure which movie, maybe in multiple. Actually, he definitely says it in Thor, this movie. I mean, uh, where he talks about like what you call science, like is magic to us, you know, so the other way around. Yeah, right. We should start keeping a tally of the number of times in Marvel works the concept of uh, science uh, far enough advanced beyond human understanding will be perceived as magic. Right. Because, like, yeah. I know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. says it. I'm pretty sure Runaways does it. I'm, you know, like, Thor does it. Iron Man, surely. Like, all the... It, some Kevin really likes that, that thing, I guess, or something. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, the big thing for me here is that, like, he, he does just call it, like, he, he does the line of, like, oh, we call it Rainbow Bridge or whatever. But, like, in Thor Ragnarok, he then, like, says at the same time with Bruce Banner, like, the type of star and, uh, and the bridge name and everything. Like, he goes through the whole thing, like, but, like, not like, oh, I'm being a parrot. I've heard this word before, like, so I just assume that I know, like, no, he's, like, actually, like, giving you the real thing. It's just, like, kind of from a different perspective, I guess, you know, yeah. where, again, he sees it as it's truly, like, a a scientific thing of, like, a star is or whatever, but it's magic because of these three things, and then Bruce sees it this way. And same with, like, Nat- I said Natalie Portman, I'm sorry, uh, Jane, Jane Foster would see it. <laughs> It's hard not to look at her and just immediately go, Natalie Portman. Yeah, right, right. Well, I, and I, I think all of that, I mean, it's a very interesting kind of element that, you know, speaking to how Thor kind of sees the world and everything. And I think that says a lot about uh, about it. And also, I think, I mean, you know, I, we talked about this way early on, probably when we we're talking about like back in um, in Norway in 965 AD. But the whole idea of like what, like how would we describe something that is commonplace to us that might seem like magic to them. Like, you know, how do I get my signal through a cell phone? It's like, oh, you know, just like airwaves. And I mean, yeah, Rainbow Bridge. It's like you hear these things like airwave. That sounds so silly. Like, what does that actually mean? But but you think about it. It's like, yeah, well, it probably doesn't sound any different than Rainbow Bridge. So it's true. Yeah. Um, uh, but then, you know, a big conversation that we've had a lot over the course of the show is is there's there's magic that is just really advanced science but then there's also magic because loki yes. is just doing magic sure. so it's like you know right. they oh, kind yeah. of got all of it, so. <laughs> and mjolnir is like certainly there's no no science i think could you know explain any of how that works yeah we we decided it's a very very advanced form of siri or something yeah 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 it's yeah it's like a uh two-factor a finger fingerprint technology yeah like a biometric sort of deal yeah, but it's exactly. like a morality metric yeah something some crazy thing <laughs> if thor forgets to shave for a bit he has to like put in a passcode instead because it mm-hmm. can't recognize his face he's like oh, damn it it's right oh, it's he eats a grape this... at the grocery store and the, it's like nope you gotta go do a good deed because <laughs> he's like right. i set this three thousand years ago what was it oh man is there uh, i forgot my passcode on this thing or you know what's going on <laughs> 
Oh, well, all right. So uh, back to this minute, we have Col- we have a few background agents with Agent Colson. Unfortunately, they're so far back, I can't tell who they are. Uh, but it does beg the question here. We had two agents, Agent Garrett and Agent Kale, who were up on the roof uh, <laughs> across the street from Smith Motors. Are these two agents okay? Were they incinerated? This this is kind of a one of these things where uh, that you have these moments in these films where agents kind of go missing. I know it happened back in Iron Man. You know, it's, it happens periodically where you just have agents who disappear off the screen and then you just never see see them again. Any sense from either of you? Do you think that these two agents made it down okay, or do you think that they were burned to a crisp up on top of one of the buildings? Anytime. Uh an agent goes missing or you're worried about the safety of your favorite uh, shield agent, they were an LMD and they can be redownloaded and they'll be fine. They're stored up in the cloud. <laughs> okay. So you're good. <laughs> I, it, you know, I think about this a lot with um, uh, actually like the, the bit villains, like the goons, if you want to, you know, mm. like the, the, the hired hands, you know, like I think about a lot specifically with like Captain America two, winter soldier, right? There's this whole thing that they'll do about like, you know, we're not going to kill, you know, these people, but then they will superpower kick someone and have their spine go right into the railing of a boat as they then go over <laughs> it. That man's body is now jelly and he's just in the ocean. He's definitely dead, right? It's the same thing here. Like, I think that there are times where we just lose track of people and we assume that they're just on the ground like, oh, it hurts. Someone call a medic. <laughs> OT, OT, OT. Yeah. Or... <laughs> you know, or just someone going, hello, is is anyone out there? I'm still up here. Hello? Like, just like three hours later, like, I can't right, get right. down. Yeah, just like, you know, they have to call the fire department together. I'll try like climbing a down. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> oh, Wait, no. Thor, don't go. Damn it. How do I get down from here? I've broken my other leg. Uh, yeah. Thor and Jane, I mean, as they fly off, they just get a wave down. Oh, hi there. <laughs> I'd like to imagine that, like, you know, while Coulson is in charge of going to talk to Thor, surely not 30 agents are just standing there staring at the whole interaction. Surely someone's like a medic going around and checking people and like getting people down or, you know, giving them aid. So I'm I'm going to assume that they're okay because I feel like until you show me someone for sure dead, I'm just going to go, eh, they're fine. Yeah, right. Habeas corpus. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think that's generally the way that these things work. You're like, you kind of, well, I don't know. I, sometimes you'd say, you know what, everyone in that room da- died. There's no way anyone made it out. But in this case, it's like, yeah, they probably could have made it. I'm not going to worry too much about it. Until I see the fan fiction where Agent Cole becomes our favorite character. <laughs> that's right. And then, well, then I'll right. believe anything. Exactly. But won't we have egg on our face when, like, a super villain origin story is Agent Garrett coming back and being like, Agent Cole was the finest that this organization had, and you just let him die up on that rooftop. And now I'm here to take you out. You know, yeah, like that's going to yeah, be right. mystical powers uh, that he got from the uh, from the blast from the destroyer that should exactly. have killed him, but somehow yeah. it imbued yeah. him with magical powers. Right? Yeah, maybe he's inhuman and or like an X Men, like yeah. he's a mutant, and that yeah kickstarted his uh, ability. You never know. Mm-hmm. So much things happen. Or, yeah, you uh, never know. So, uh, so Thor grabs Jane. Uh, he's going to take her to see his bridge. Uh, and, you know, she's a little nonchalant, but kind of excited. But I got to say, when he grabs her and pulls her close, uh, she's just got the greatest reaction. Um, there's some excitement, some giddiness, maybe some arousal. I don't know. Any impressions from either of you on this moment? I understand it 
100 percent like, <laughs> uh, like uh, that's kind of also part of the chemistry thing that i was talking about earlier it'll come up again in i think it's the next minute maybe two minutes from now i forgot now in my head which order things happen in but like for sure like there are a couple of different reactions from her where i'm like i mean if thor slash chris hemsworth was just like Yoink, like, and pulled me in close. I'd be like, oh, what's, what's happening? <laughs> Why is, uh, <clears throat> yes, uh, Mr. Hemsworth, very um, uh, nice weather in, uh, how's Asgard? You know, just like, not, yeah, just like, right. yeah. Where are we? <laughs> I think it's sort of a, a tension whiplash a little bit because it's like she's looking at Eric kind of like yay we get to go back to what oh whoa I'm flying <laughs> like yeah there's like, <laughs> oh right the lar- the tall man next to me the tall buff god is gonna take me rainbow bridge I'm not I, yeah we're going up in the air he'll I guess, literally yeah. sweep her off her feet exactly yeah, right, and exactly. hadn't seen him fly until like just recently you know I mean like he wasn't like oh, okay, you're Thor, and there's, like, a lot of, like, disbelief and stuff, and then now suddenly, oh, oh, he does have this hammer. Oh, he does, hmm. That's crazy, you know? Up until now, mostly he's been hit, he's been hit by cars. Like, she knows him mostly. (laughs) She's she's hit him. She's hit him by the cars, right. Allegedly, uh, you know, neither here nor there. Uh, But, yeah. (laughs) It is, I mean, it is a great reaction that she has, and uh, it also, I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about Dutch angles this week. I have a feeling because uh, it is a oh, very yeah. heavy week of Dutch angles. And uh, you know, when you pull uh, Natalie Portman close, or when Chris pulls Natalie close, uh, that height difference of like a full head it really helps when you tilt the camera to a Dutch angle so that mm-hmm. their their heads line up nicely in the shot. And so it's a great little moment that they have here. And then of course we get them uh, flying up and away. And it's it's interesting because um, I I don't know either of your backgrounds as far as like Thor and the comics and everything, but it's like. My my understanding is he generally throws the hammer and the hammer kind of pulls him along with where he's going. Yeah. The way mm-hmm. that he seems to do it here, he does like one little underhand swing and up, up and away they go. And I'm like, I guess that can kind of work. I, I don't know. Does it speak to kind of the intentionality of the throw? It's in the beginning. It's a little um, uneven or I don't know as to how else to say it. Like it's very um, inconsistent. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, cause definitely most comics are just like him and usually he has to swing it for a bit, right? you know? Um, and a lot of the times he continues to swing it and, you know, it's not usually right. then letting go. Um, it's centrifugal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but it's also interesting that like, you know, uh, he could also, I don't know. It, it's, it's a very weird, I feel like there's so much to talk about with like the comics representation of that sort of thing. Cause he also sometimes has had weapons that aren't Mjolnir and then can still fly. Right. So it's kind of also maybe inconsistent or maybe it's just a specific to like how, like how powerful the weapon is, how powerful he is in that time. That they go straight up is, is, is trouble is bothering me because yeah, nice move. Cool. Cool. Like boss move, sort of a nice flex, but like, I don't know that he can. Can he turn in midair? Well, we've we've 
debated that a little bit over the course of of this show because uh, there are times where he does seem to fly in a specific direction like when he's on Jotunheim he flies straight up but then somehow he also gets himself to turn so we were debating it's like does he like pause mid midway up and then like re-swing it to go a different direction or is it like some intentionality thing and the magic imbued in Mjolnir where once he's thrown it and it's moving as long as he's like mentally saying attached to it or, and guiding it saying I want to go left I want to go down I want to go up right let's slow down and land um that might work because there is a moment it granted it's scripted it wasn't in the film but he when he throws Mjolnir and it's knocking just Jotun after Jotun down um it only stops when a bunch of other Jotuns that are near him actually tackle him to the ground, breaking his like mental connection or something oh, with the hammer. So it's like a spell. Okay. That's, well, that's, that's our best description. I do think it is that latter one that you offered up because I was going to say it, it's in every film that Mjolnir is in. He certainly, you know, throws it and it's not always just in a straight line. Yeah. He throws it and then it continues to, uh, you know, warp around essentially. And so it definitely is a bit of like a concentration spell if you're thinking in D&D terms. Um, so I do think that once it's spun and thrown, I do think that it can change direct. I think he can change directions purely because Mjolnir can. Yeah, yeah. But like he's he's essentially riding it in, in a way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's my head cannon. The longer he's on Earth, the more uh, he is uh, needing to follow Earth's physics. So it starts off that he's doing magic and it's a spell thing, but it gradually turns into uh, like physics. And he has to calculate the, the arc. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's and he's like like Colin said, he's very smart. It's just sort of an intuitive thing. He's the Dolph Lundgren of our universe here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's cooler than magic? Wrestling. Oh, <laughs> math. Um, there you go. Yeah. Geometry. So. All right, so we've got Agent Coulson here. He he shouts after Thor, who who whisks away with Jane up into the air. Wait, I need to debrief you. And that right there, folks, is a picture wrap on Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson in Thor. Uh, so uh, uh, if you'd like, if to you've got a drink, take yeah. a drink. That's right. <laughs> For real, there are like oh, there's going to be about sixty episodes with him in it. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot more Clark Gregg coming up. But for this movie. That's it. So uh, it was great having That's him cool. in this film. He's so young in this. I know. Yeah, little <laughs> little baby Clark Gregg. That's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, but with that, uh, we we actually don't follow Thor and Jane. We return to uh, Dutch Angle of the Himmenbjörg, or AKA Heimdall's Observatory, and we find Loki pulling Gungnir out of the keyhole, shutting down the Bifrost. Why is this? Is it because he has? Uh, done what he said. He let Laufey and three of his frost giants in. Um, what's I, I know we're going to be talking a lot about Loki and his plotting and planning. Probably we'll get into a lot of the the complications and what's actually happening a little bit later. But at this point, like uh, thinking back to when you first saw this film, do you remember what your thoughts were at this point as far as like what Loki and his plans were? I think the first time I saw this movie, I remember going. Like, I knew enough at the time, because when I first saw all these films, I was way less versed than I am now. And I was still a pretty big comic book reader and even collector back then. Um, but I remember being like, I don't, I, like, I, you can't trust Loki further than you can throw him. Um, and, you know, if you're Thor, you can throw him pretty far, and you still can't <laughs> trust him that far. Uh, so I remember being like, I'm sure 
there's more than meets the eye, but I also don't think that this is going to be what some people are going to hope for. I, I don't know. It's hard to describe again without revealing later things, but like, I remember the first time I watched this, I was kind of like, oh, you and had some, you know, stronger words for him. <laughs> I am so glad you asked this question because I didn't take the note and I nearly did, but then I didn't again right before we started recording. I don't, t- I've seen this, maybe I've seen this at least twice, maybe mm-hmm. three times. I still don't. I'm still just riding the wave of whatever his action is. Whenever he does something, and we're going to see a couple times in the week, he's going to be like making an opposite decision. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I, what are you doing? Like, I, ha- I just chalk it up to just sort of mischief and sort of cha- like chaotic everything. Like, I guess chaotic evil just sort of like, I don't know. Not, guess who I, I, I my, the sport is betrayal. And um, I'm just betraying everyone. Just betray you, betray you, betray you, betray you. And, I still don't really understand what the plan is. Um, and I'm hoping that by, by the time we leave uh, recording uh, about these, about these minutes um, that I will. It'll become apparent. Yeah. We shall, you know, we shall see. Yeah. I think he's like a perfect example of like a double agent, but like, not just like in the movies, but also in the comics, like his whole thing is I'm going to essentially play both sides. Uh, and I will always go with whatever side makes me win. Because I guess really more more of he's really a triple agent, which is that the third party is always himself. And then he plays the other two sides to see which side will help him get ahead. Um, and that's why it's always hard to trust any of his plans, because you're like, what's the other angle? I think that's him? a good way to describe it, because it does. Uh, and, and I think if we watch like over the course of this film, there are a lot of decision points that Loki has has shifted uh, and you're watching him minute by minute. You really get to talk about and think about, like, wow, he's really constantly uh, reevaluating and re-strategizing, and uh, it makes it very complicated trying to figure out, like, what is what was his plan in the beginning of the film? Because it certainly wasn't this. And and I, I but I think that he, as you said, he has been riding whatever wave is coming along and doing whatever works to get him farther ahead and it's been really interesting to kind of see how it all plays out and, and we're definitely going to kind of hit that peak um this week and so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to chatting more about that for this movie at least i guess in in, in subsequent movies i am I'm, I'm more sure of what what he's going for and sort of what the larger goal is this movie it kind of felt like he had like like memento disease or like dory from finding dory where it was like Every time he looked up, he saw who was his ally and he betrayed them. <laughs> and it didn't like it was like it wasn't like he was strated. It didn't feel to me like there was a strategy there. It was just a like a piecemeal. I see that I'm now here. Betray. Like, that's interesting. It seemed like everything that he like, we'll get to it in, in, in a couple minutes. But like. If you take how he interacts with one character, you're like, ah, I see that he's trying to do this with this character. And then the next character comes on the screen and you're like, but what about, what about the thing that was just happening? Like, and maybe that's, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not getting. And so again, please explain it to me. But like, it feels very much like if you pat, like sort of like when you write a story, but you pat, you read it as a group and like I end a paragraph and then I send it to to you, Andy, and then you write a paragraph and you send it to Colin, <laughs> but we don't That's see right. each other's things except for the last sentence. Mm-hmm. And the goal is subvert whatever you think was, was above that. 
Well, we'll uh, definitely look forward to chatting more about that then yeah. uh, in the later in the week because I think there's going to be a lot of interesting conversation to have about that. I, I find that all very interesting just purely because like I had a very different viewpoint of that, I guess, mostly because like from the beginning, not when they're little kids, but like because there's not enough like conversation there. But in the first scene where you can see how upset he is as Thor is like in that coronation process. And then when the way he so easily plays Thor with the, well, there's no way to do this without, you know, without going against father's wishes. Whoa, now what are you doing? Hang on now. <laughs> like that whole thing. It's like the whole time he's playing a fool because like Thor thinks, you know, that like he be, as the older brother and as the, you know, the future king, he's got, the, you know, he he plays him, you know, like a fiddle, really. Yeah. In yeah. that opening scene. I, there's a lot to ch- talk about with that so let's save the rest of that mm-hmm. for next time because i or Absolutely. when we get to that because i think we're gonna have a lot to a lot of juicy stuff um so but i do have a question because at this point um we are at a point in the film where things are happening faster and faster we've kind of crossed that line building to the climax uh i mean how does the pace seem i mean we get very little in this moment we get you know loki as i said he's pulling Gungnir out and uh, Laufey's here, says, welcome to Asgard. Laufey smiles, and they walk across the Rainbow Bridge. I mean, it's very brief. Uh, are, are, are we getting everything we need? I mean, is the pace building, or do we need more, or or even quicker? Any thoughts? I would love more. I I was so invested in the, in the Jane Thor Midgard stuff that, frankly, whenever we went back to Loki, I was like, all right, and then we get a brief glimpse of Loki with his weird hat, and... <laughs> And then we go back to Thor and it's like, I want, like, I'd love for them to sort of build. I, 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 as I get older and do more of these by the minute podcasts, I, I'm so, I become such a proponent of an inner monologue. I would love an inner monologue for Loki just for, (laughs) just for a little bit. Just give me some sense of like planning or like an, or even an outer, like a a film noirish monologue or something where it feels I don't know. I, it 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 felt like I needed more uh, with him, like a whole scene. Put some scenes together a little bit more, maybe. You want the text box that has the inner thoughts, and also potentially a see this you know minute or see this you know movie Always. signed by the you know the writer. Always, yeah. Smile, Stan. <laughs> I think that you know I. It, it the pace does pick up, and I feel like part of that is definitely like a we had a lot of the growth, which is kind of I think a, a big thing that Marvel does is like a majority of the film is about how is this character growing and changing and what they're going through, and then the last twenty minutes are like okay now a race to the finish line, <laughs> yeah. um, which isn't necessarily always bad because you know earlier I made a D and D joke, but it's the same thing with D and D. I feel like a lot of people don't want to be in combat for a full hour because it can really just get bogged down with rule book checking and all this other stuff. And that's what these you know movies are also trying to avoid. I mean, comic books don't spend six books unless it's like the end of like a huge storyline or arc. Uh, that's like, you know, an, or an event rather. Like they don't spend six books of just fighting. It's a lot of like storytelling and then just like five or six pages maybe total of a fight and then boom, you're done. And that's what happens here. So I do agree. I, I like I could have used even if it was just a minute more of 
Loki or even Laufey, honestly, just like having some form of, even if it's just a flashback to what their deal was, but also perhaps letting you in a little bit on what Loki's Loki's side is. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, right, right. And again, like we'll see, we'll see it, but like there's no context. It just happens basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, moment. And I, you know, I, I guess I don't really have a problem with the pace that certainly watching a movie like one minute at a time and breaking it down and analyzing it. You really, <laughs> yeah. can, you do lose a little bit of kind of a sense of the, of how the actual film is paced out. Um, you know, as you look at it minute by minute, I mean, I, no, no, Andy, it's the it's the filmmakers that are wrong. Not us. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, principal. But but it is it is kind of uh, fun to watch, and it's interesting to look at and see like how things are working and what's not working, and and because uh, I mean, sometimes you can feel it. I think that for me, largely this works. But as we kind of continue this week, there there may be some elements that it's like they might have been able to squeeze a few more things in here. Mm-hmm. I have a big question here, though, uh, for both of you, um, as relates to Loki. Well, one, why are they walking, and why are they walking so slowly? It is going to take them forever to get to the palace. This is like the, the most glacial-paced walk I've seen uh, when you're sneaking people into the palace. <laughs> glacial? frost And then, right, well, that, maybe that's why. Um, <laughs> but then the other thing is, like, so is Loki magically concealing them right now? Is he kind of like, because, like, I mean... We've seen the Rainbow Bridge. It goes right through town on its way to the palace, which is in the middle. Um, Like, if people just look out their windows, are they going to see, like, Loki leading uh, Laufey and another frost giant uh, along the Rainbow Bridge? Or, I mean, is it possible they would think that it's just like, you know, two kings getting together to chat? Or is Loki concealing them? Do you have any thoughts on this? This is the kind of thing that I'd love another minute or two with. Because <laughs> I could just as easily see them being like, all right, now let's walk along, walk along. Oh, and now let's turn here. And here's where the... My little magic the door. The cloud yeah. that is held by wolves or something takes us to the palace or whatever. And yeah, But because it's just like, and they're walking, and we cut away, and we cut back, and they're there. Yeah, It's just like... I, I don't know. They got a lot better about like Loki's sort of concealing magic and stuff as the movies went on too. I am assuming that although we don't see it, there are certainly like they have ships and kind of like the Asgard version of cars like there that we've seen in other films. And I don't know if we saw them in Thor one. No, just horses. But I'm pretty sure they're definitely in dark world. Yeah. They're in dark world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. But the other thing is that like, there has to be some form of magic or something that happens with that bridge because in multiple films, people get from the Bifrost to suddenly the kingdom, like, you know, in a, in an instant, um, in Thor Ragnarok scourge, has to run after Thor, who just flies off. And like he's very clearly much slower. But only three minutes later is there in the scene like, Hark, Thor has arrived. So it's like something, there has to be some sort of like taxi, quote, quote unquote, station for them to get into to then take off, you know. I'm not sure where that would be or how they would do that. But, you know, they also clearly snuck the Frost Giants in in the beginning of the film. Yeah, right, right. Some, in some you know, section. So like there has to be some sort of, like James said, like a secret corner that if you cut through here and then hit these three bricks, like a, you know, a passageway opens up and you can sneak through. Right. 
Well, couldn't it also be? Isn't it? Uh, refresh my, my my knowledge of of Thor physics here. Isn't an Einstein Rosen bridge? It like closes space time or something. Is it like a wormhole sort of deal? Like it's a bridge from. It, but it doesn't do it on this side of the bridge. That's like on the other side when the observatory, right. okay. uh, you know, when its uh, end of it points out into space. Then it's taking the energy from this bridge and it's using that bifrost energy to kind of create that Einstein Rosen bridge. Because it almost feels like in like a sort of never-ending story in way of like you start walking and then before you know it you're you're like the distance is an illusion almost like it's there and it's majestic but yeah. we, you're where you want to go because of the well it does look like a giant like moving sidewalk right like it feels like it as you're running on it it should be moving with you and helping you get there that much faster there has to be something there oh I would love a Taika Waititi just sort of them. Standing there, just sort of like <laughs> right. checking their Waiting, watch. Yeah, get to the side if you're going to stand. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so we have two guards who remain to flank Heimdall, who is frozen. We do see that Heimdall is still frozen. And what I love here is we actually hear him struggling inside the ice. He's he's trying to uh, scream his way out. Apparently, uh, kind of starting to crack the ice. Um, but why do they leave a couple frost giant guards here? Uh, are are they purposefully flanking Heimdall like they're concerned with him? Are they just keeping people from coming into the observatory? I, I don't know who would be coming down here. Uh, any sense on this as to why they don't also just go with the rest of them? Okay, so I I do believe that part of this is potentially like I would imagine this is Loki giving them a warning ahead of time of like Heimdall is like strong AF like Heimdall is powerful. You know, you you can't just assume that he's going to stay frozen or whatever or you know, potentially, you know, he also knows that He's snuck through cracks in the universe, essentially. And even though he believes he is outsmarting his brother, it might not be long before Thor also finds a way, you know. Um, And then also, like you said, like, potentially if someone else is like, oh, I'd like to go, you know, visit my brother in Niflheim. Hey, wait a minute. What are you doing here, Heimdall? Why are you frozen like this? (laughs) You silly goose. Let me break you out. <laughs> You're not supposed to be ice. Yeah, hang on. I'm pretty sure you don't look like this normally, right? It's a new hairstyle or something? Yeah. Cool look. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> James. <laughs> I just James. also want to say uh, Heimdall is strong AF, where AF stands for although frozen. Although frozen. Although frozen. That's right. Yes. I think that also it might just be. Uh, I, there's a war term that they use in like the real fun soldier movies where it's just like. It'll slow him down. If he breaks out, there are two people to slow him down ever so much so that it's not like, ah, I've broken out. And now it's time to go to work sorting things and taking, you know, bifrosting things and whatever. I mean, you know, <laughs> the the answer also is probably not even about the uh, strategy of it all. It is just purely like, hi, I'd like to write a scene. That has Heimdall do something cool, you know, so. Well, yeah, yeah. that's what it boils down to largely, right? It's like the screenwriters just needed to have Heimdall actually show how how awesome he is. Uh, And maybe Idris Elba was just like, can't I at least kill somebody? Come on. I mean, all I do is stand around with this sword. I'd like to at least swing it and and actually kill someone. So who knows? Yeah. Turns out Agents Cole and Garrett. (laughs) Those two guys. Yeah. That was the end. Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) Prove to me I'm wrong. Okay, uh, you're wrong? Nope. I said prove it. 
<laughs> no, you said, I said say. Yeah. I said tell, and then I, well, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> I'm going to write to Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I'm going to write to like, hey, <laughs> dear, dear Ken. Ken. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, okay, let's he, talk about this. We need to talk about this. Yeah. We need to talk about he's like, agents. what? That's right. Why are you writing to me about this right Shakespeare now? Shakespeare never wrote a movie called Thor. <laughs> he calls them movies, but he is. <laughs> sure. All right. So so the the minute ends, we've got the Pinsgauer uh, driving toward Bifrost Junction. Um, I'm pretty sure Volstag's on top. Um, we're going to save our conversation about all of that for next time. Any last things with this minute that either of you wanted to uh, get out? Not if, not if we can save the baffling my my own bafflement until next minute. Let, which yeah. is totally fine. <laughs> Excellent. We will we will baffle away in the next minute. Perfect. So, uh, well, James and Colin, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Can you can you remind everyone where they can find you and your podcast? Um, if you want to find us on Twitter, uh, where we have like all of our links and stuff like that. Uh, you can find us at Timeline Scav, uh, S-C-A-V. That's the first four letters of scavengers because we can't fit the whole thing on Twitter. And uh, it's also on our uh, podcast network's website as well, which is uh, scavengersnetwork.com. And uh, in the little podcast section, you can even find Timeline Scavengers and listen to an episode or two on that page. Uh, so you, know, you can find something that you're looking for, like maybe more Agent Coulson. And then, um, you know, follow the show on whatever platform through there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I uh, definitely appreciate it. We're going to be back to talk more uh, about this uh, in Minute 92 tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, all of you wonderful listeners, thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. And as Matthew always says, have a good day. And as I always say, until next time, true believers. Excelsior. <laughs> Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Yeah.